Welcome, friends. You're listening to the Swears and Does Hair podcast for bridal hairstylists and makeup artists looking to take their business to new levels. Here we tackle topics such as mindset, finances, balancing business with motherhood, and healthy strategies to keep your body and mind supporting your business rather than holding it back. I'm your host, Sue Minsky, business coach for bridal hairstylists and creator of the Next Level Bridal Business Program. Thanks for joining me. I can't wait to dig into today's topic, so let's get started. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Swears and Does Hair podcast. Today, I am interviewing Kenesha Coleman, a beauty CPA, meaning she is a tax professional that helps specifically within the beauty industry. And I know it may seem a little bit early for some people to be thinking about taxes or just kind of an overwhelming concept that a lot of us have um, in general taxes is time consuming, it's confusing, and it's not something that we really enjoy. So it's reason why I brought Kanisha on the podcast today to help demystify a few of the different vital pieces to being successful when it comes to dealing with your taxes, uh, being able to save money, having your business structured properly, etc, etc. So I wanted to make sure that I gave her a good proper introduction because as you'll listen in just a few moments, I totally butchered it um, multiple times trying to introduce her and then finally I was just kind of like fuck it we're gonna do it so we jumped right into the episode so uh, bear with me for these first few moments and I really hope that you're able to uh, still get a lot of information and a lot of enjoyment from today's episode because I had so much fun uh, interviewing and speaking with Kanisha. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Swears and Does Hair podcast. Today, special guest for you is Kanisha. She is a tax accountant, a CPA, and she specializes in the beauty industry and helping uh, hairstylists, makeup artists, and other beauty professionals get their business set up properly and do all of those wonderful fun things uh, or surrounding taxes, you know, all that kind of stuff that we don't really love, but she does. So I brought her here on the podcast today to help us kind of navigate those type of things that um, are essential for running a profitable and successful business, but we are not the experts in. So Kanisha, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I love doing things like this and giving back to the beauty industry. Awesome. So um, I'm going to have you take a few seconds to kind of introduce yourself to everybody. Let us know what exactly it is you do. I know I kind of butchered the beginning of that uh, introduction there with your official beauty title. We tried it once before. I was like, I'm going to redo this and then I butchered it again. So I'm just going to let you. um, No, for sure. So I am Kanisha Coleman. I am the beauty CPA. I am a CPA and IRS enrolled agent and certified tax coach. I do own Coleman Tax, which is an accounting firm that exclusively serves beauty entrepreneurs. And our main mission and goal is to get your beauty businesses, finances organized, as well as putting you in a position where you're paying the least amount of tax possible. 
um, a lot of my experience, I, I have about 13 years of experience with tax and accounting. And most of that was spent with the IRS as an, as an auditor, actually, I was on the other, other team for a while. <laughs> so, and during my time there, you know, I really saw small business owners such as beauty entrepreneurs not really benefiting from the tax law like um, some of the other major players like big companies and mega wealthy folks and so mm-hmm. at Coleman Tax our firm really aims to really democratize that and bring all those tax benefits to beauty entrepreneurs Awesome. I love that. I love that you saw the struggle that, you know, the smaller businesses have and was like, you know what, this is my calling. I'm going to come to this and I'm going to, I'm going to switch sides. I'm going to help, help the little people get the, the benefits that they deserve. So that's really awesome. So let's start kind of at the beginning when it comes to setting up the business Mm -hmm. properly. Um, so, uh, so it's called what a a legal business entity structure. Can you talk us through what that is? What does that mean? Because that sounds like super complicated and official, but I know what it means. Let's break it down. Absolutely. So a legal business entity structure is simply the way your beauty business is going to be organized and recognized by your, um, either, you know, your jurisdiction where you, the state that you live in and the taxing authority. So the IRS and your state taxing authority. And there are, um, you know, six options in general, right? You can be a sole proprietor. You can be Mm -hmm. an LLC, which is a limited liability company. You can be a a general partnership or a multi-member LLC, an S corporation or a C corporation. So it's basically how your business is organized under the eyes of either your state and or taxing authorities. Gotcha. And when it comes to setting that up, what are different considerations um, that people should be looking at when they're trying to say, okay, should I remain as a sole proprietorship? Should I move into LLC? Um, Should I file for S Corp or C Corp status? What kind of things should they be pulling together? Absolutely. So I, I want I want you, the listeners, to keep in mind three big things, right? There, there are other options, but I want you to keep in mind these three main ones. Number one, I want you to think about your asset protection. That's the main one that I speak about with my clients and anyone else within the community because what we don't want to do is to have someone come and bring litigation to our business and our personal assets are up for grabs in that litigation. We want to make sure that our personal assets are protected and separated so that if anyone brings suit to our business, the only thing they could possibly go after is the assets that are housed within that business. We don't want them to be able to touch our personal house, car savings, investments, and things of that nature. So the first thing is asset protection and you can get that with you know mm-hmm. going forward with the LLC through your state secretary um, state your state's secretary um, office right um, the other two okay. things I want you to keep in mind is number two of course taxes right <laughs> you get <laughs> you get uh-huh. certain tax benefits depending on how your business is organized or what structure that you're using um, so 
you know, as that sole proprietorship, as that LLC begins to make more and more in net profit, we want to start thinking about maybe making a tax election to be recognized under the eyes of the IRS as another entity type, such as the S corporation to save on taxes. And there is a process around that. Um, but just, you know, keep that nugget in mind. And then third, we want to think about the, 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 the future, like the long-term future of our business, right? So if we wanted to bring on investors mm-hmm. or other partners, or even pass this down to our descendants one day, we want to think about the ease of ownership with the entity structures, right? Cause it's easier with some entities than others. Like for example, with the S corporation and C corporation, it's very easy to just sell shares to transfer ownership. Versus if you mm-hmm. are a sole pro- provider or an LLC. So those are the three main things, okay? Asset protection, taxes, and um, ownership transfer. Awesome. Got it. Awesome. So um, can they do this? Can they set this up on their own? Do they have to hire mm-hmm. somebody? I know when I set up my LLC for my business, I was able to just do everything online when it comes to these more complex kinds of types is that something where they really need to consider hiring somebody or can they still do those you know, types so of things I'm online gonna be very, very honest with you i'm one of those cpas where um if you can i will tell you bluntly if you could diy it and this is one of those things where i feel like you can right if you go to your um secretary of state's mm-hmm. website and you look at the llc application Literally, you will see it can take you 10 minutes or less to do. There are very good tutorials and instructions on all of the state's websites that will guide you through that process. Um, when people outsource it to like a CPA or a legal Zoom, they just kind of want that peace of mind that they did it right. But it's, it's, that'll swing you like hundreds uh-huh. and hundreds of dollars. Um, but this is definitely something yeah. you can do on your own if you just have patience and you know, don't mind reading the instructions first. You can do it in 10 minutes or less online. Yeah, I remember setting up the LLC about 10 years ago and it was super easy. It was like fill it out online, print. I think I had to like Mm -hmm. print the form still and mail a check for $100 or something like that. So, uh, but I I wasn't sure how complicated it was to move up through those back brackets. Yeah, it's even better now. You can like (laughs) submit, pay online and get everything online all all in one shot and you can get the EIN you know for free online through the IRS as well and get it right away so yeah I'm all for DIYing it if you can you know yeah I know in the state of Pennsylvania because I have one of my students in my course who's um in Pennsylvania and, and she and I were talking about it and I was like I really think like I'm not a professional here I'm not a you know I'm not a tax person but I highly recommend we move from sole proprietorship into LLC um it's for that exact the asset protection that you were talking about um and she was like well do I have to hire somebody I'm like mm-hmm, check mm-hmm. online and then to like half an hour later she like messaged me back and she's like so I did it online and it's all set up now and you know, I got my EIN and you know all this kind of stuff and I was like oh perfect so I know at least in the state of Pennsylvania mm-hmm. it's nice and easy absolutely it absolutely I say check it out before you shell out hundreds of dollars check it out first <laughs> exactly exactly if you can fill out an online form so um now what kind of protections does an llc offer over um a sole proprietorship because that was one of the first things that you talked about was that asset protection um i i 
it, the LLC has more because that protects your personal, but can you kind of go a little more in depth and like explaining? Oh, absolutely. So I want to make it very clear. This is maybe a misconception that I clear up the out, the LLC over the sole proprietorship literally is just a, a legal, um, it has benefits from a legal perspective only, meaning that in the case of litigation, mm-hmm. if you have the LLC, your state will protect anyone from coming to try to make claim towards your personal assets. Now, there is an exception to that, right? If you all, if you are found to be okay. gross, grossly negligent, right, and, and malpractice, right, meaning uh-huh. you did something that you should have known better, especially with the licenses that you all carry as beauty service providers, mm-hmm. if that is found to be true, the LLC is not going to do anything for you. Um, but in, but yeah, besides yeah. that, it's just going to protect your assets. There are no additional tax benefits of the LLC over the sole proprietor. They are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So it really literally just is Absolutely. that asset protection. Awesome. That's cool. I didn't know... I didn't know if things were like different tax wise. My husband files all of our taxes and does all of that kind of stuff. And it's it's to the point where it's getting complicated enough mm-hmm. for how I have everything structured in my business that he's like, you need to hire somebody now, hun. I am no longer capable of navigating this on my own because he used to do taxes um, and, and work for a tax prep place in like college and, and things like that. So he's been running our taxes for the last several years where he's like, okay, I can do it. And yeah, now it's just getting too complicated. He's like, you have your finger in too many pies. He's like, you need to hire a CPA and you need to start mm-hmm. filing quarterly. <laughs> he's like, you're just making this too complicated for me. Now. And I'm like, I'm sorry, no, me. for sure. No, for sure. I get it. <laughs> So um, now, do different states have different laws on what these different um, tax structures are like or their business entity structures? Or is that a broad thing for all states if this the process of setting is up? For sure. So the laws state? will tell the, the laws can be different by state. They can be meaning that like okay. if you were to. um and I'm speaking about this in a very general broad sense. If you were to go to uh-huh. um, a certain state to get an LLC, depending on what type of business you run, they have they do have different variations of LLCs and different variations of partnerships, right? But specifically for the beauty industry, okay. it should be pretty standard across the board. Um, but okay. again, that application, they're going to ask the same general questions as far as filling out the LLC applications, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're going to want to know, obviously, the the general contact information, the responsible parties, the members the, of the LLC, right? The members being the owners. Um, uh-huh. They'll be the same general questions, but the variations of the different types will be the same. Specifically for the beauty industry, though, you guys are just going to be a general LLC. You won't have to be like a the quote-unquote professional LLC. I know some states have that, but that's mainly for um, like professional service providers. Gotcha. Awesome. So um, when you are an LLC, um, do you need to have like 
separate bank accounts for your business and as you kind of move through those um, different structures? Because I know a lot of people remain as a sole proprietor and they kind of mix Mm -hmm. their business and their personal finances. Um, When it comes to starting to separate things out, um, does that mean that you need to move that into the bank account system and completely separate everything business-wise? Or can you still kind of mix and pull from your personal as long as you document mm-hmm. things correctly? Absolutely. Great question. You definitely should have a separate business bank account. This is regardless if you have an LLC or not. Even if you're a sole proprietor, I want you to have a separate business account. And this is why. The most important and pertinent reason why is because if you were ever audited and the IRS came and saw that you were commingling funds, they will question every single thing on that tax return. Because they figure if you're commingling uh-huh. funds, how do you know what's personal and business that you're reporting and deducting on that tax return? So they would, you know, they wouldn't gotcha. have any any faith in how you're reporting things. So regardless of entity type, I want you to have, strongly suggest you have a business bank account. Um, Secondly, it's important for you to know, you know, what your business cash inflows and Mm -hmm. outflows are. You know, how do you really know how you're performing from a business perspective if everything is is Mm -hmm. co-mingled? And and just simply as you move through the entity types, I, I want your listeners to keep in mind that this entity type structure is a journey, right? You'll start off as a sole prop, move to an LLC, Eventually, as your business becomes wildly financially successful, you'll make the election to be one of the type of corporations. Um, You want to just become more and more streamlined, organized, and um, professional with your finances. And the business Uh bank account is a a prerequisite in in doing just that. So I would strongly encourage it like from the get-go, from the jump have a business bank account. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I, I teach my students inside my course and stuff too. I'm like, well, let's get you set up, you know, like let's start to move you towards LLC and then let's get a a business bank account and let's, excuse me, let's get an EIN and stuff, you know, cause especially if they're going to start hiring and bringing on Mm -hmm. uh, team members and stuff like that, you need to be, have, a way to run payroll and you can't do that from your your personal accounts it's just it's too complicated and i think all pretty much all payroll systems and, and services and stuff like that require an mm-hmm. ein am mm-hmm. i incorrect in assuming that absolutely i, yeah. I and that's another so, thing i encourage first the ein is free and you can get it in five minutes when you apply for it online with the irs mm-hmm. that the ein is like the ssn for your for your business and so I encourage getting that also uh-huh. right away, just so you don't have to be using your personal social everywhere as you conduct business, you should be using your EIN. Yeah. And so for anybody who's listening, that who's, who's like, what the fuck is an EIN? <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's an employer identification number. And it's literally just like what you said. It is essentially your business's mm-hmm. social security number. It is that business identification number to 
you know, the tax people that be being like, hey, this is my business. Um, and so and that's how you need to have that to apply for business credit cards. Um, I believe you have to have that first to set up a, a business bank account. At least um, I know that when I set up for PNC, because that's where I host all of my business uh, banking accounts, um, they required mm-hmm. me to have an LLC, an EIN, um, they, they had all of this different documentation. So I had to make sure that my business was structured correctly legally, and then I could go and I could get mm-hmm. business, um, accounts, um, and be able to run everything yep, that absolutely. way. So, so let's talk a little bit more about like actually filing taxes and all of those kinds of things. I've seen you talk, um, on your Instagram, um, lately about something called mm-hmm. tax loopholes. So let's kind of talk a little bit about that because we're getting ready to come up to the time of year when everybody's going to start filing taxes. Um, and if we can I think, prepare now as much as we can, um, it'll make the process much easier. Um, so what are tax tax loopholes? loopholes? I love tax loopholes. Okay, tax loopholes are simply <laughs> tax deductions and or credits that's going to help you save money um, on taxes. Now, I know it, it kind of gets like a, like when you put the word loophole at the end, it gets like a little sketchy, shady, you know, you don't really know if it's legit or not, but I can assure you that it's all legit. Um, it gets this negative connotation sometimes for two main reasons. One is, is highly like politicized, newsworthy, right? Every time you hear it, it's in the news, right? Yeah, and yeah. you're hearing about some major corporation yeah. or wealthy person not paying taxes. Um, but then two, it's because those folks are using the existing tax law and using it in a way to fully exploit it and maybe use it in a way that the original lawmakers didn't intend. But however, uh-huh. it's still in the law. So as long as it's still written in law, is legal, legit, and can be used to save on taxes. And I highly encourage everyone to do just that until Congress changes the law. You know what I mean? So I feel uh-huh. no matter how newsworthy it is and how you know shady it comes off, I highly encourage beauty entrepreneurs to be using tax loopholes without fear um, because as long as it's in the law, it's legit. Awesome. So how can we find these loopholes to, to help us save on our taxes? Is this something that we can look up on our own or is this something that, you know, we need to uh, invest in a CPA to help us navigate? For sure. So one way I want everyone to keep in mind when thinking about loopholes, if we're just thinking about it holistically, um, one of the easiest ways mm-hmm. to save money on taxes is to say, okay, how can I turn this personal thing I'm already doing into to be business in nature? How can this be an opportunity for my business? Mm -hmm. That's one surefire way to turn money you're already spending into a way to benefit Uh your business. Number like, for example, one technique that comes to mind is like hiring your kid. You are going to spend money on that child Uh anyway, right? exactly so why not put the child doing you know a task within your business 
funnel the money to the child. The child doesn't pay tax on the money. You get the deduction for your business and you still get to spend the money on whatever you are going to spend it on anyway. That That's just an example of how you can yeah. turn something personal you're doing anyway into a business um, opportunity. I would say outsource the strategy making when the when one you want to save more and more money so when you want to get into the five figure uh-huh. tax savings and it gets a little more strategic and complex then outsource it to a cpa and let them do uh-huh. all the work <laughs> um but you can yeah. definitely come with the idea you know like hey this is what i'm trying uh-huh. to do how can we how can we turn this into a tax saving strategy yeah, my husband's always trying to get me to hire our 15-year-old to oh like do menial tasks because he knows about that that technical loophole and stuff like that. And he's just like, well, why don't you uh, have Kai film your videos? Mm-hmm. And he's 15. Like, have him make the reels for you and have him Absolutely. do the this for you and pay him to do that. And I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, there's just certain things that I'm just like, no. That and he's like very not a teenager when it comes to things like mm-hmm. TikTok and reels and stuff like that he thinks they're mm-hmm. the dumbest thing ever and i'm always like trying to show him like funny ones and he just gives me this look like mom yeah. you are so <laughs> why are you trying to do this and i'm like it is for business building i don't dance okay <laughs> i'm just i'm i'm a smart ass and i give good business <laughs> advice like sure. don't judge me so i just have to film them while he's at school so then he'll, he doesn't know and he doesn't come oh, and like funny. stare and judge at they're me they're so cool though <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what um when it comes to things like write-offs um i know there's a lot of common misconceptions about what can be write-offs what can't be write-offs um can you help us clear some of that up what are some things that you see people think are write-offs that actually kind of make oh absolutely aren't? so and, and and there are very there are very few it's, one thing i want to put out there is that the tax law is very um the tax law is very friendly to small business owners, whether we know it or not. It, it, it is versus like, say, if you were an employee, right? There are so many benefits uh-huh. for entrepreneurship in the tax law. And so typically what is not deductible is anything personal in nature. Anything is personal in nature okay. is not tax deductible. Because for it to be tax deductible, it has to relate to your business. Now, remember what I said before, though. If we mm-hmm. can turn something personal into business, then that's how we get the tax benefit from it. So I know there are a lot of things that are kind of like mixed in nature. Like, so, for example, say your cell phone. You use your cell phone for personal uh-huh. and business. I would argue that you use it more for business than personal, but that's a whole other conversation. Um but when we're thinking about the <laughs> cell phone and you're looking at that, what you spend a year on your cell phone, um, just because it's a personal uh-huh. asset doesn't mean you can't take any of it for business. You still can take a portion of it, a large portion of it uh-huh. that you can attribute to being business in nature. But typically, the only thing you cannot deduct is things that are personal in nature. 
Gotcha. So yeah, so I know like my husband, whenever we're going to like travel for stuff, he's like, can you book a, a, a client or a photo mm -hmm. shoot there? <laughs> it's like, then we can take a portion of the travel and um, write it off on the taxes. And I'm like, okay, I don't always want to work on vacation <laughs> though. He's like, yeah, but if it'll help us save on taxes. So, you know, he's, yeah. he's very much in a lot of how, like, how can yeah. we turn this? Your husband sounds like a tax strategy. How can we? Yes, yes, he really, he really should be. Somehow he's, he's more on the law side of things. He works for the government. You're doing, um, uh, patent yeah. examining so he's like used to to dealing with navigating mm -hmm. all those kinds of things and and contract and legalese and stuff and that and his oh, mom was a lawyer go. so like between <laughs> between the three of us in the house where it's we're all like nope we're gonna we're gonna dot our i's and cross our t's and we don't sign things unless every we line. read every <laughs> single word on the page and you know it drives a lot of people crazy especially when like the three of us get together and 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 discuss certain things people are just, <laughs> i love oh it God, it sounds like an interesting people. thanksgiving You're crazy yeah yeah we're 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 an interesting group of people we're a bunch of nerds um <laughs> so um when it comes to like submitting those things for taxes and stuff for write-offs what are some general um rules for what people should do as far as documenting things so if we're gonna save ourselves say you know from being audited how do we make sure that we are doing those crossing the t's and dotting the i's and making sure that we have those write-offs and can say and can prove okay you know i did use this um for business or i did purchase this mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. business use what type of documentation and all that kind of stuff do we need? To Absolutely. And I'm going to answer this kind of with like my prior auditors had on. So typically um, when we are, when auditors are looking at a tax return, just keep in mind that they're going to look at the most material things, uh -huh. right? They're not going to go for the, the low hanging fruit. They're going to look, go for um Things, things that were material in, in, in nature on the tax return. And so for those things, I do highly uh, encourage the, the listeners to kind of quote unquote audit proof their return, which is to keep, make sure you have in your records um, documentation that will answer these key questions about these expenses that you're taking. Okay. An auditor wants to know okay. one, what it is, how it ties to your business. Okay. Make sure you make sure you okay. document that they want to know, obviously, the vendor and how much was spent. That's going to be documented just with the receipt. Right. Um, and then mm -hmm. it would be, you know, it would be great to have in and, and this again, if this is a very high price thing, it would be great to know, um, again, a very thorough testimony as to how it connects to your business and, and how you kind of used it to operate and or grow your business. And and again, that's that's just gotcha. open to the narrative, which was my first point, okay? Um, so do this for the material yeah. things that you're reporting on your tax return. It does not have to be for every single line, right? But like if you're buying uh -huh. a major piece of equipment, right now the tax law says mm -hmm. you can write it completely off if it's under 15 years of a, of a useful life and you're writing that off and it's a major okay. expense, go ahead and make sure you have the receipt 
which is going to show the item, the price, the date, the vendor, and document on their receipt. This, this is how this is used in my business. Gotcha. So that's something that we should be documenting on the receipt itself, like flip it over and write on the back, you know, mm-hmm. like if we buy a camera, you know, say, okay, this will be used for taking before and after images. Write it on the receipt, create a Google Doc and save it in your drive with okay. a picture of that receipt. I recommend saving everything electronically just because paper, you know, paper will fade. Uh-huh. Like you, the IRS, has three, the exactly, IRS yeah. has three years to come back to audit you. That paper, that ink will fade in three years. So take a picture of it right away, upload it to uh-huh. your Google Drive folder, um, and make sure you just, you can notate on that file the memo of the things I just mentioned, and boom, there you go. You've audit proof uh-huh. that expense for your tax return. Gotcha. Great tips. Thank you. Now, what about something like QuickBooks? Because that's what I use. And I love that I have the QuickBooks app on my phone and I can literally take a mm-hmm. photo of the receipt. Um, and then it's it's saved electronically for me. Is that something, is that like a system that you recommend is like QuickBooks mm-hmm. helpful? Mm-hmm. No. Um, Absol- absolutely like QuickBooks? we use QuickBooks online exclusively within our firm that's all we use um so I love QuickBooks awesome. and all of the automation and definitely the receipt capture feature um I still recommend to have a backup just because people switch from QuickBooks okay. or sometimes people let the subscription lapse or you know things like that gotcha, um yeah and we don't want to lose our, uh-huh. our backup so I still recommend having a backup in like your Google Drive. That's a great point. Great. I'm definitely going to start implementing that this year. I know I need to get much better about remembering to take pictures of Mm -hmm. the physical receipts um, because I I almost exclusively Mm -hmm. shop online for my business. Almost everything is done that way. And so so when I like go into Cosmoprof and it's like this big, huge receipt because I'll I'll only shop at, you know, specific, Mm -hmm. you know, like, quarterly or whatnot, or like every other month I go in and I stock up and it's a huge, big, long receipt. Now it can't all fit in one snapshot there. Is there a specific portion of the receipt that needs to be recorded? Can I fold it? So like the Mm -hmm. top and the bottom are together and take the photo of it that way? Or is that something that like the whole huge long receipt it needs to remain intact and... For sure. So as long as you can capture the vendor where you purchased the item, the item itself and the cost and the date, that uh-huh. is the pertinent information that you need from a receipt to be able to substantiate the expense incurred. Gotcha. So if it's like a whole big, like a bunch of stuff, like say I go and I buy like 30 products, does all of those individual 30 products, that all needs to remain captured, correct? Yeah, because you know what? Because yeah. what, what'll happen is the auditor will see it on the profit and loss statement or the income statement, right? Uh-huh. And they'll see it as one amount. They're going to want to see what the itemization is. So gotcha. yeah, they'll want to see the listing of what makes up that that amount. And that's gotcha. where the receipt comes in. Absolutely. Gotcha. 
Oh, that's fun. I know, right? <laughs> Sometimes those, those receipts are hella long where I'll go in and I'll be like, oh, I need this and oh, I need some more of that. And let me, you know, like if I'm buying, it used to be when I was buying like hair color and stuff like mm-hmm. that, you know, I'd stock up once a month and there'd be 50 tubes of color that I had to buy. And these receipts would be just obnoxious. Yeah. So yeah, not fun. All right, cool. But that's good <laughs> to know that all of those things still need to be um, accounted mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. I think I just need to buy everything online because that already captures everything digitally for me. Absolutely. I don't have to try and do any of that. And remember so, to keep it for three years because the yeah. IRS has three years to come ask questions. So keep those, gotcha. keep those documents. Yeah. See, I had always heard that it was seven years or they say to keep documents for seven years. Is that just like extra? Like they're just telling you like, overly mm-hmm. to keep all this paper around i think okay so there though there's a there's one kind of exception that i'm thinking of so let's say for example a taxpayer like didn't file their return or they were they mm-hmm. filed it late or something like that that's when the irs um that's when the irs's timeline that's when they are allotted more time when you're late gotcha. when you're late when you didn't file at mm-hmm. all or when like you made such a mess with your return and omitted so much mm-hmm. income, then it gives them extra time to audit and collect. So that's Got where that. the super long timelines come in. But if you're on the straight and narrow, it's typically three years. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, my father-in-law got audited in his small business Um gosh like 10 15 years ago and it was a mess like they they had all of this all of this documentation that had to go back for for much longer but i think his issue was that he just wasn't filing his taxes Mm -hmm. uh he he was omitting stuff and was just kind of being lazy about it and just doing the bare minimum and they were like no so we can see that you screwed up for many years in in a row and that's when they went back a little bit further so Um, All right. So there's um, a new thing that I've seen when it comes to Venmo and PayPal. There was, I guess, a new tax law that goes into effect this year. And now Venmo is going to be recording or reporting, I should say, um, when you receive a total of $600 or more. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, how if we use Venmo for um, business... We are, we obviously it's it's our responsibility to report that income on our taxes and stuff like that. When it comes to using Venmo as well, it, how should we structure things or how should we record those type of things so that way um, we can say, hey, you know, this is this is the business stuff, this is the personal stuff. Should we have separate Venmos? Do we need to break it up? a part two as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So <laughs> this new thing is, is, is causing so much trouble. Um, this new rule here. So I highly encourage you to have two separate Venmos, cash apps, mm-hmm. Zales, and all of that. If, if you're using it for business, you should be using the business one. This rule uh-huh. only applies to the business types. It does not apply uh-huh. to the personal ones. So that's why I encourage you to have two because if you're sending money oh. that if you're sending money personally, they're not even looking at the personal um, classifications of these 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 payments uh, gateways. 
They're looking at gotcha. they're looking at the business. Okay. They're only looking at the business. Yes. Place. That's good to know. Cause I was just like, crap, what about people who like give their roommate half of the rent every month? Yeah. That's gonna be thousands of dollars. That would be a and nightmare. like how do you Yeah. Okay. So that makes me feel a lot better because mm-hmm. I was freaking out because I was like, oh crap. And then <laughs> I, I do everything correct and I like report all of my income, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. All right. And then, and then keep in mind that if you're doing bookkeeping, if you're doing regular uh-huh. bookkeeping, these 1099s that they're going to be sending you just keep for your records. Everything you're doing yeah. is being captured by your bookkeeping system anyway. And so you exactly. can really just rely okay. on that to file the tax return. Um, the 1099s, like I said, just, you know, keep them for your records. Um, that is just Cash App, Zelle, Venmo doing their job for the IRS. Um, uh-huh. but yes, please keep them separate. That way it won't be a nightmare and a headache for you having to get all these forms, um, come gotcha. tax time. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause that's how, um, I've been paying my assistance on weddings was through Venmo, but it was through Venmo personal so that they didn't have a percentage taken out when they got it, but mm-hmm. I still file a 1099 for all the payments that I pay to them. And like when I work and do shoots and stuff for photographers, they usually pay me through Venmo to actually get me the money. Um, and then they 1099 me at the end of the year. So um, if I'm still accepting in my personal Venmo so that I don't pay a percentage in the fees to Venmo, but I'm still getting a 1099 from those people, that's still fine, right? That's still, mm-hmm. it's still being documented. It's not like I'm going to get double right. taxed or anything. Right, right. Okay, gotcha. Okay, that's good to know. Because me and the girls were kind of all freaking out like, crap, we, we pay you each other through Venmo because it's it's a free and it's instant. We don't have to write checks or worry about carrying tons of cash on wedding days and things like that. Um, but we were like, how is this going to impact how we do our taxes and how we do all this stuff? So that's good to know that um, it doesn't really super complicate things as mm-hmm. far as how we run stuff. No. And I think that, you know, this new rule is just because you know, <laughs> the IRS is really they're They're knowing what some some unhonest folks are doing. None of your listeners, of course. But of course, <laughs> they're kind of catching wind on um, the use of the cash app, the Venmo um, to kind uh-huh. of conceal business income. Um, yeah. But again, nothing your listeners have to worry about. If you're doing regular bookkeeping, just continue to rely on that. Keep those extra 1099s. They're going to be sending you for your records. Yeah. I always tell people, I'm like, just just be honest and report everything because it in the long run, yes, you have to pay taxes on it, but it helps you. It benefits you in the long run because it shows your income and it shows your true income. So like if you're going and you're trying to get a, a mortgage or a car loan or apply for a new credit card or even, you know, rentals or there's so many things that rely on our credit and, and we need to prove our income. And then there are so many people I feel like in the beauty industry who try and hide so much of that. And they're like, oh, we can do this mm-hmm. under the table, under the table. And I'm like, why? The liability for you mm-hmm. if you get caught is so high and it it does you such a disservice. You think you're saving. And it's like, okay, 
you're really you're really not saving that much yeah. honey like yeah. you're, you're hurting yourself more than you are saving by lying yes and and trying to hide that very true statement the risk is much higher than the savings I always say that if the juice ain't worth the squeeze, don't even, don't even. Do ah, I like that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I like that. All right. That's going to be the quote of the episode. If the juice ain't worth the squeeze. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Kinesia. I hope our listeners today have gotten a lot of information um, on what they should be doing in in how they should be looking at how they've structured their business and and uh, their their taxes and all those kinds of things. Where can people connect with you and find more information, follow you for more tips? Um, and are you accepting clients? Where are you accepting clients for it, for doing taxes and all those kinds of things? Absolutely. So if you all want to connect with me more, and I do give free tax strategy sessions where we can talk about your very specific situation and ways that we can work together for Coleman Tax to solve those issues for you, you can book that free mm-hmm. session at thebeautycpa.com. That's our website. Awesome. And then I do give tons of tips and tricks and hacks on my Instagram at the beauty CPA as well. And I look forward to, to meeting and speaking with all of all of the listeners here. It's so much more, um, you know, things that we can discuss to save you lots of money on taxes. Awesome. Well, you'll definitely be getting some information from me or connecting from me. Um, and hopefully a lot of our listeners will be reaching out to you as well. Now, you do have um, a little tax plan bundle that people can download. Where can they find that? Absolutely. That is also going to be on the BDCPA.com. Awesome. Perfect. So I'll put all the links and everything uh, in the show notes for today's episode. Um, Again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. Make sure to reach out to Kanisha at the Beauty CPA uh, and thank her and um, show her some love. So hopefully everybody has a wonderful rest of your day today. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you feel empowered, knowledgeable, and capable of handling anything that your business throws your way. Don't forget to subscribe to get access to new episodes as they are released each week on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Love today's episode? Let me know. Leave me a review and tell me what your biggest takeaway was from the conversation. Have a request for a future topic or someone you'd like to hear me interview? Find me on Instagram at beautybizcollective and drop me a DM. And if you're hungry for more actionable content to help you grow your bridal business, go to www.swearsanddoeshair.com slash bookmorebrides to sign up for my free on-demand training and learn how to book better quality brides faster, easier, and with less stress.